you know, my daddy back in the day used to tell me stories about the uh, the old Wild Wild West where anybody could record anything they wanted to say and just put that on the airways. And that's who you got with you today. What's up, guys? It's uh, it's us again. Recording another yeah, episode of stopped us of of the uh, the hit hit uh, podcast Jump Cut. Uh, I'm your this time 2023 edition. 2023 edition. I guess this is our second episode of the year. Uh, you got I think with you. So. I think oh, also welcome to Jump Cut. I don't know if I said that. <laughs> it's all good. I, um, I got it. Yeah, I'm Hashem, and with me I got Leander. And on today's episode, we're talking about Hashem's last pick, which was. No Country for Old Men, a uh, true classic. Yeah, a true classic. <laughs> so now, this is like the second-ish time I think I've seen this movie, and I liked it a lot more than the first time. Yeah. I Just for like the heat check, whatever, I don't know if you wanted to talk about anything else, but like this movie's a, a banger, a bit of an extreme banger. I liked it a lot. It's very good. It's, uh, yeah. it's a good one. The Coen brothers <laughs> know what they're doing. This isn't the uh, yeah. This is the second movie we've done by them, right? Uh, we did. I think so. I, I I remember looking at their their filmography and seeing. Oh, um, the Big Lebowski. Oh, okay. So the third, yeah. the se- the one I was thinking of was Fargo. We didn't do Fargo, did we? I did we do Fargo? I thought we did. I remember talking about a Minnesotan <laughs> accent. I don't remember. Maybe we did do Fargo. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> All right. Well, I got no recollection of that movie. <laughs> it's fine we uh we we've done these guys before they're familiar to us yeah but i don't i don't think this style of movie is very common that i could be familiar with it like the 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 subtle and quiet drawn out feeling that this movie makes is like i don't know how to describe it other than menacing i understand what you're saying but i still think i would classify this movie as a western although i think it it doesn't necessarily draw i'd say contemporary western western if that's even a thing. What do you mean? Is Western just the style that you're going for? Because if when I think Western, I haven't seen many Westerns, but like usually there's like a, a villain, a cowboy, a plot, a whatever. Yeah. But yeah, but this doesn't feel like it's following the same structure. So I think, okay, I'm going to have to uh, discuss anime for a second. You know how you have like, oh, of course, genre. Yeah. I, because I can't think of another example. You know how you have like, genre deconstructions whenever uh like you know a genre becomes more popular and starts becoming more and more like in the mainstream like breaking tropes is yeah that what you mean yeah okay. and the reason Fair. i bring up anime is because neon genesis evangelion is technically classified as a mecha anime but it doesn't rely on any of the other tropes that its predecessors did it doesn't have like the same conflicts the same political conflicts as like real robot anime do and it doesn't have the same like power of friendship shit that other mecha anime have the reason i bring it up here right. is because i think this movie is supposed to be a western because it has the same sort of key characters you have like the outlaw you have like a the money thing and you have the cop but each one of them is right. a deconstruction of the standard genre or standard archetype within the genre i should say yeah, because I was going to say that, like, if you looked at any other Western or any other conventional adventure story, this does not follow those beats. Like, it's much more like, I, I mean, maybe it does follow the beats, right? There are shootouts, there are high tense action scenes, but the movie doesn't glamorize them in the way that I kind of think of. But I don't know if, if Western necessarily is being. But 
I don't know if the thing is, is I don't think Westerns necessarily glamorize them. They're just a staple of the trope. And so you expect them sure. to be in there. But sure. Well, we can get into but it. A not little even bit. glamorize doesn't need to be like, like and when we talked about um, Shane Black movies and how they show violence as extremely violent versus you look at something like Die Hard or any just old action movie. It's not glamorizing violence, right? But the violence is meant to be fun or a, a, a set piece of the movie that you can kind of like enjoy, right? This movie either doesn't show you the violence, like you walk in on the aftermath, or when it's there, it's not, it's like scary. Yeah. I, that's why I, I, I agree. said like the original thought was, I, I, that I was menacing because I think this movie is scarier than a lot of the horror movies that we've put on this, this show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I <laughs> on agree. this podcast. And I, I think. I don't so two 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 things. I I mainly think the terror comes from the antagonist. Phenomenal. One of the best movie villains I've seen in my life. Uh Anton Chigure? Chigure? Chigure. He says his name like a billion and I, not he says it, but it's said a bunch of times. Anton yeah, but I, I listen, I watched this movie 2 months ago. I like rewatched it recently <laughs> just to like refresh myself, uh-huh. but also it was very it was just kind of in the background just to remember. But I it's see. good. I see. Okay. It's good. The other point I had is the reason I brought up Evangelion is because whenever a deconstruction of the genre happens, usually it's ju- it's done against or it's done with genre that are generally more campy. I think I understand what you mean by the action in old westerns is much more it's more bombastic is the word I would use. Yeah. You know? Sure. There's okay. like music in the background. They're like the like the sound of the bullets ricocheting is always really fun. It's like you know? Yeah, yeah. But you don't have that here, and I think that's why I classify it as a reconstruction because it still has the same tropes, but the emotions and the feelings that you have from them is flipped on its head. You know? I think that's where it comes into like where whether or not you classify the genre by the style or the substance. Like there are elements of horror movies, if we use that in as an example, sure. where like the final girl, the mass killer, the all this stuff can be a part of it. But then the actual performance or movie part of it isn't really a horror movie. It's something like um, a scary movie or something, right? Where it's obviously a parody. You wouldn't classify it as a horror movie even though it hits the elements. But I think a similar thing can be said about this movie with like, yeah, the characters are sometimes on horseback and also like roaming the Wild West or whatever. But like, I, I, I think if you're a fan of Westerns, it doesn't lend you any like I. It wouldn't further my ability to recommend this movie to you. Do you I agree. I, mean? I, no, mean, no. I would recommend it to anyone, but like the elements you're looking for might are not here. I, I, I understand what you're saying. You're saying you wouldn't yeah. recommend it to a Western fan specifically because they like westerns. You would recommend it because I'm it's also a good saying movie. that like I, I've been talking about horror movies because I don't really know westerns. I yeah. don't watch many, but like I just think of this is being different from them. Maybe it's like my aversion to wanting to say I like the Western because they all <laughs> look like dog. But like this movie, I think just, I don't know, feels different. It feels much more like nuanced and subtle and cool. I think whenever people think of Westerns, usually they think of spaghetti Westerns, which are objectively shit. Like they are <laughs> known for it. The reason why they're so, the reason why they're called spaghetti Western is because it was cheaper to produce movies in Italy, so they just made movies set in the Wild West on a really cheap budget, and they were always really bad, like sure. the good, the bad, and the ugly and all those. I haven't seen any of them. I'm just thinking of like those clips you see of uh, Clint Eastwood or whatever yeah. 
posing in the center of a town at that that whole genre of film i just feel like passed me by and i and i don't even want to catch up with it it's like some one of those areas that i feel no historic relevance to wanting to see like some of the old maybe action movies or original horror movies or like old dramas or whatever but uh westerns nah no appeal for me <laughs> i think that's fair which is why it's interesting that this movie hit because i think usually if i see someone on a cowboy or a cowboy on a on a horse i'm like already put off i'm like not into it but i think those things can be done well and this is the point that i'm trying to make is i think the reason why yeah. people have an aversion to westerns in general is because they are usually thinking of spaghetti westerns because those are the most contemporary example i say contemporary this is like in the 70s you know and they sort of right. had a like sure. the genre faded away after the whole Clint Eastwood movies, like the few what is it sure. the few more dollars and like uh, why can I not think the one where he's wearing the poncho you you know the scene that's literally the most iconic picture <laughs> yeah, of Clint that's, Eastwood that's like what I'm picturing yeah 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 the genre sort of died away after those movies because they started being associated with low quality you know production low quality action and so on and so forth. But there's this an element of like racial undertones that I just oh, always one got from them. Thousand percent. Like. There's literally a whole. <laughs> there is a whole genre of westerns called black exploitation westerns. Like it's a subgenre. Oh, well, Every because that's sick. They're made by racists, bro. What do you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that's why I like don't want to classify it in the same bucket or whatever, just because the style of it is in the same and the like southern accent or whatever they have like is is similar but like i don't know i i think this movie has a lot more I, well I, I again i can't say i'm saying subtlety and nuance as if those movies have none of it but i've never seen any of them yeah all i'm saying is that i really like this movie it's a good one so you're probably right that it's a western it's a good yeah. movie no i'm but this is what i'm saying i'm saying it's a deconstruction of the western genre i wouldn't necessarily classify it as a western fully like that's why i sure. struggled with saying like I don't know what. It's an action movie, man. What do you want me to call it? Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's an action movie. Neither I, do I. <laughs> is that what you're class? Okay, good. no, because I was gonna say like, it's it's. I think of it as like one of those movies like Green Green Knight and like uh, Lighthouse, where it's like the the story is about the not the content on screen, but how the characters react to Anton Chigurh. Interesting. Like uh, the way that I interpreted it, right, is that he is this unstoppable force that can't be killed. And while he's human or whatever, they show him like repairing gunshot wounds and everything, right? Like him actually is is just this like like this. I I don't know how to describe it. Like there's there's nothing that actually stops him plot wise. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. He like we got to get into spoilers because I think we're gonna jump right in. I have a lot to say about this movie, so let's just get that out of the way. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Okay. For a movie that's almost 15 Spoilers. years old. Yeah. <laughs> Let me gather my thoughts again. Sorry. Okay. So Anton Chigurh, right? Yeah. He, I think of him as this, like, bringer of death in the movie. Yeah. And that everything he's trying to per- portray on screen is, like, if you see him, you have to confront death and either come out the other side from a coin toss or don't, you know? And the people who don't die. And I think that's, like, how the characters react to that character existing in the world is what the film's really about 
you know no one really cares about the money or who took it from who or who was in that mexican standoff in the beginning of the movie none of that's actually important but it's about like how the characters adapt to this presence of death being so front and center in the movie i I think i understand what you're saying but i don't think i agree and the reason i say that is is because of like the Coen brothers style of storytelling like sure sugar never feels immortal he just feels very calculated if that makes sense he still gets shot he still gets hit by a car and he's visibly like injured but the reason why he's so unnerving is because he walks away from these things and he's like essentially drowning the pain with something the other thing is is if this was an exploration of how the characters deal with death or facing death and if if and and correct me if i'm wrong here are you saying anton is like the personification of that like facing death i think he's like you could think of him in my head he's a metaphorical grim reaper like he is just death like if you see him he's supposed to remind the audience members and the people in the story that death is possible at any minute like regardless of if you're a good person regardless if you've done well in your life like you could die at any moment and they have to confront that. i disagree and the reason i disagree is because okay. llewellyn dies off screen right to another set of people and he never meets chigger so <laughs> i don't know if he's necessarily a metaphor for death if that makes sense all right so i think that even if llewellyn gets killed off screen the fact that it's okay how do i put this like because what i'm trying to say is that the main premise of the movie is talking about death and talking about how the characters react to death i think it's actually a plot factor that Llewellyn's killed off screen to show how like unimportant in the grand scheme of things these characters are like even if you spent time with them or not if they're like some random off a highway or they're the character you spent the last two hours with like death comes for them all yeah and i think as much as like i called him the grim reaper earlier he's not the only bringer of death like that mexican standoff and he wasn't there for any of that right but i think hibs yeah he has his own character and he like you know kills the people who hired him and all of that or whatever right but i think just like you take those scenes where he talks one-on-one with a person and i i just have to put importance on that because it's so weird and unique and it could be ramblings of a serial killer or whatever but to me it feels like like way deeper than that I, like way more psychological i think but i don't know i think the reason the only point i disagree with is just the fact that chigur himself is the personification of death but i do agree that the movie deals with death as a concept if that makes sense the the way i sort of I th- understood yeah. it was that each of the three characters that we follow faces death in a specific way so we have Llewellyn mm-hmm. Moss is 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 not afraid of death. Air quotes. He's willing to risk his life for the money, even though he know he right. knows it comes at a risk to his own personal being and his like, you know, family's personal being. Um, right. So he gets absolutely lasered, which is to be expected. It's sort <laughs> of like a like a cautionary tale. And then we have okay. the sheriff, who I forget his name, Tommy Lee Jones, who is yeah. afraid of death, like. Every single scene we see of him essentially confronting something, he's hesitating. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to be involved. Even at the end when he walks into the room, it's like built up with so much suspense and you feel it because he's afraid of what he's going to find in the room. 
right? Okay. And then the last person mm-hmm. is Chigure is, is somebody who sort of relishes death. You know what I mean? He doesn't sure. necessarily personify death itself. He just sort of lives on the edge, which is why he's so indifferent to getting hit by a fucking car at the end. He's just kind of like, yeah, just another day, another day in the life. I think, okay, I think I could see where you're coming from, but I still think that, like, how do I put this? Like, if I was going to boil down the movie into, like, its essence or something like that, I don't think the story is present at that, like, lowest, lowest level. I don't think it matters that there's a cop and that Javier Bardem's killed all these people and that Llewellyn didn't get away with it or whatever, because I still think that this idea of trying to escape death is the premise like the name of the movie yeah. is yeah, yeah no country for old men right and it's all about like ed not being able to confront death like you said right but i don't think it's that the idea of death being scary i think everybody is scared of the concept of death right my my takeaway was that like llewellyn is young and smart like really smart knows his way around a gun in a field and all that and really good at escaping uh, someone chasing him or whatever, right? Yeah. But Anton Chigurh is again this unstoppable force who's really good at his job and relentless. Right? But he's not so the even one... with all his smart planning, he's not like able to escape him. But that was kind of the like I understand. I don't know. But he doesn't die. Like Anton doesn't kill him. Is my point. Right. So right. I I just I still think it's not about like he's a representation of it. He's not the Grim Reaper. No. I think what I said like he's you're right. So he still dies though. That's what I'm saying. It yeah, was inescapable. I understand. Like, all that work is for nothing. I uh, I right. think we agree on the movie dealing a lot more with death than mm-hmm. we disagree. I just don't think that, like, I don't think Chigure is unique in anything except for his perspective on death, if that makes sense. He is just as risk to dying as any of the other characters. He's just, you know, more, I, I don't even so precise is the word I would use. Which is why he's able to escape it. But I think that he, he, as a character, isn't necessarily like this... I don't know. I don't think of him as this precise serial killer or this hitman or whatever. I I think of him as a person with a philosophy imparting it on everyone around him. He's like a reminder of death. And I think that regardless of whether he kills them or they die of old age, that his goal is not to kill his goal is to impart that philosophy i guess that's what i'm trying to say i actually don't agree with you i think his goal is to kill i think his philosophy is more uh, his philosophy is more self-centered than i think you're making it out to be i don't think he's trying to remind people of the eminence of death i think he's trying to let himself know that he's able to control it if that makes sense it's not necessarily like i don't think the only thing that sort of throws that in for a wrench is the the coin flip, but even that is faced at the end. Like they address it with uh, Llewellyn's wife, where she's like, "Don't flip the coin to make it seem like you're you have nothing to do with this. It's your decision at the end of the day." You know. Okay, so I I think I get I get that. Like if we're looking at it like just to relate it to something similar. Sure. Saw right. Saw doesn't see himself as a serial killer, even though he really is kidnapping all these people. And I'm not saying that Anton Chigurh is not a murderer or not a sociopath or any of that, right? He is killing and hurting people, right? And good at it and precise and everything you said before. Yeah. But what I think his philosophy is, is 
just to be this reminder. And I do think that he thinks the coin flip is the mechanism to do that because what I got from his like on-screen performances and the gas station scene, the scene with the wife at the end, right? And even like his phone call with Moss is that he is trying to remind people that you can't escape death and that approaching every moment like it could be your last is important. Like think about what you say, think about what you're, I don't know, doing and talking about, because I think like, I really don't agree. I really don't. I don't know. I just, but the, the only thing is, is he's not being cautionary. He's killing people like randomly. It's, and there are people that interact with him specifically. So it's not like, you know, okay. At the end, where he gets hit by the car and he talks to those little boys. I never thought that the kids were at risk, regardless of what they did, if that makes sense. Anytime okay. that he is about to kill somebody, you see it in his like facial expression and his mannerisms change with the character. Like he becomes more nice. He's got that weird ass creepy smile on his face. You know what I mean? And th- this is my only thing is I don't think he's trying to, he's not making a statement to other people. He's trying to prove to himself that he's the master of death. If anything, and that's why I'm saying it's more of a like selfish ideal. It's not about being cautionary, and it's not about like valuing I think your that time. I, I think I'm simping for him then too much, <laughs> but I do I do still believe what I believe. Like I still think that like him in the gas station, like he didn't end up killing that gas station attendant, right? Based on the coin flip, but I think that what he was trying to communicate there was like a recognition for how, like, you know your regular day interactions can lead to your own death, like be it on a highway or be it in this gas station with a serial killer. Right. And like his whole thing about how I got here the same way the coin did. Right. It's just random chance, like randomness, chaos in the universe that brought people to these points. And he, again, he's seeing himself as this bringer of death. Like you said, right. Is now telling that person that they're in this situation to try and get them to recognize the fact that they could die. And I think like Llewellyn's avoidance to think about that is what gets him killed, even if it's not by Shiger. And Ed's like the cop, yeah. Ed's like recognition of that is what lets him live with his wife safely at the end and retire. Because it's like having that recognition that death is around the corner at any moment, like lets him enjoy whatever time he has left and lets him live life to that extent. I don't know. I just think there's something. More I really think you're simping. Just like, I gotta be honest. I, I, the reason I <laughs> no, hold on. Cause the coin flip is addressed twice in the movie. The first time it shows him as a like bringer of fate, you know, a harbinger or whatever. Sure. The second time they sure. directly address the point that it is not by chance that you're here. You decided to come to kill Carla Jean or whatever her name is, Wyatt Moss's wife. Yeah. Right? Sure. I think the movie is trying to make the point. Well, first of all, I agree with you that that uh, Llewellyn and Ed, Ed, Daniel? Yeah. Yeah. What? what who? Ed, Ed Tom Bell. Or okay. Ed is Bell. His name. I'm going to call him Ed. Bell. Yeah. Moss and Bell meet their ends or not because of their philosophy or their avoidance of death. But I think Chigure is just, he treats himself as a controller of death. And I think Moss's wife at the end calls him on that. And she's like, you can't assume, like, this is not fate. This is not destiny. You didn't come here by accident. You made the decision to come and kill me. Do not try to, like, weasel your way out of it. 
So the movie checks him sure. on it, you know? Sure. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I think I totally agree with what you're saying, right? But I still, the the reason I'm still, like, you know, talking about his whole philosophy thing is because I don't think I see him as a character with humanity or whatever whatsoever. Well, he's a like, sociopath. I, I don't, right. But also just, like, the, the idea that he should, okay, like, what she was trying to do at the end there with make him stop, make him recognize his actions or whatever. No. I think... I don't even he think it was. He still calls her out. No, no, no. I, but he still calls her out as like, a, oh, you can't put it on randomness. It's like you brought yourself here or whatever, right? I think he knows all of that already, right? But what he's trying to tell her, which she doesn't pick up on, is that like these, this is the outcome for decisions made by people you care about and trusted or whatever, right? Like you're, I don't know. It's just like the reason he was there in the first place because he made a promise to the guy who died anyway, that he would kill her wife, kill his wife, okay. right? And so that decision determined her life, sure. life's outcome, and he's just enacting it, right? I understand. So while it's still his own thing, and you could blame him for killing her, and you should because he's a sociopath or whatever, right? I still think that philosophy of, like, you know, the people you trust, the people you care about in your life deciding how your life goes or, like, you know, relying on them or I don't know. There's just something about it that feels like having recognition for the fact that death is around the corner at all times is like his thing. I think he's um, just the one who, I think you've watched Puss in Boots too recently. (laughs) What do you mean? You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, No, I, I don't think that's related at all. I do personally. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I, I, it, it, the the reason I bring it up is because it, it, anyway, no spoilers. I (laughs) still disagree because I think he does a lot of random acts of violence throughout the movie to people who have done nothing to earn it, which is why I struggle with believing that he does this from a sort of, I want you to recognize your own mortality. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's not, it's not that it's the death itself affects good people and bad people at random and planned ahead. I understand. I still think that the idea of killing random people on the side of the road is that same menacing force. Like, the all these people had ways of not dying that they didn't do because they didn't recognize the danger of the situation or the whatever. I'm not blaming them. No, no, no. Right? I, th- but I am saying not, that, like, you're misunderstanding you don't my recognize point. that death is a possibility until it's, like, happening to you. Sure. You know what I mean? I get it. And I'm agreeing right. with you that that's what the movie addresses. But I'm saying I don't think Chigure is the manifestation of that idea or that concept i think the movie itself addresses it three separate ways with the characters is the point that i'm trying to make because i I really don't think like for example he tells the wife that he's going to kill her because of the promise that he made right but right the person that he kills on the side of the road has nothing to do with it you know the 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 gas station clerk they've had one conversation together there is nothing that has led to them coming there. And he makes the justification by saying that fate or destiny led him there. And that's what I'm saying is like he wants to prove to himself that he's the one that's able to control death or he's the one that like lives on the line between because he kills people. And that's what the movie checks him on at the end where they say you are not a harbinger of fate. This is not accidental chance. You are not a reminder. You are doing this because you want to kill people. That's it. Okay, sort of. I still think that there's an element of if this guy is this manifestation of death and everyone he crosses paths with 
has a chance to die, right? Then those people on the side of the street are accounted for, like random acts of violence are accounted for. And then you could see that the only reason that Carla Jean Moss was put in his path was because of decisions made by those that loved her, right? And failures in their attempts to protect her. I don't really her. don't understand what you're so trying to say here. Like, because it, no, he wouldn't hold have on, been there to kill her. Uh, just if, like, okay, you're saying Llewellyn had done differently. You're saying Carla Jean dies because of Llewellyn's actions. So a person that she yes. cares about and loves is the reason why she dies in the end. And I, I, I think you right. and I agree that she dies because he checks his boots, which is a good callback. Well, not, not, not okay. Not like her fault. I'm not saying that because she loved him. I'm saying that he failed to protect. Sorry, her, I, I don't. This mean, is his way of showing that. I'm yeah. saying the consequences of. Llewellyn's failure is that Carla Jean dies. Yeah, and not even failure. His like, uh, what's it called? What's that? Hubris. Whatever the better word for hubris. Hubris is, is a good word. Like he, I think hubris is a good. Yeah, word. Yeah, but he thought he <laughs> thought he could outsmart, outbeat whatever this bringer of death. And yeah, he's human, but it didn't work. So his failure to do so is what got him killed. Sure, or got him and her killed. Sure. Yeah. But then you're saying that the people on the sidewalk that meet Shigure and die. There is nothing right. of consequence that them or their loved ones have done for them to avoid death. It's purely random at I'm that not, point. Yeah, I guess what where I'm coming I just, from there I'm gonna say is that I'm gonna say it everyone right now, he crosses paths no, with. No, 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 you're a simp. He you're a simp. I I'm can't not. wait for Leander to become a true crime <laughs> fan. He's going to tell me to watch Dahmer next. I swear to God. <laughs> I'm not agreeing with his philosophy. I know. I'm saying that he is <laughs> his his way of going through the world is imparting that on everyone he meets, right? Be it like small conversations or he needs to get something he wants, right? And like that is just I don't know. Like he he killed the person in the office because they hired someone else to do his job and he killed the person who they hired, right? Did he kill the guy who was just present in the office for a meeting? No, because he put this randomness chance on him, right? Did he kill the person on the side of the road at the same chance? No, he just killed them because he needed to get the car, right? Then he killed the next person and the next person. And it's like, I just think that the fact that everybody, he leaves behind this, like, thing of bodies behind him, it's, like, I emblematic think... of his own thought of him being the bringer of death and putting that, like, I don't know, in front of people. I get it. I think I, I understand. I just, think, I, I just I don't I, know. Here's, my, here's my take. In universe, because I think what you're, what you're talking about now is more so like what the movie is trying to say or like what he's supposed sure. to represent in the movie, right? Okay. I think yeah. his, his actions and his reasoning for killing people in the movie is defined by his own philosophy. So I agree with you there. Sure. The reason why he kills his employer is because he says you should have picked the right tool. So... You didn't like you fucked up. That's why I'm killing you because right. you should have trusted me to get the job done. Right. I think that's sure. not that it's justified, but it, it follows through with uh, Shigure's philosophy throughout the movie. You could make the same argument for the two guys that he kills at the Mexican standoff as well, because if they were also hitmen, mm -hmm. it, it might come from the belief that he thinks he's the greatest tool for the job. So he's just getting him them out of his way. You know, sure. Every time he makes a killing or every time he he decides to kill somebody chances are it follows the same philosophy he's 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 essentially following the same logic is what i'm trying to say right okay outside of the movie i don't necessarily think anything is special about why he kills those people if that makes sense i don't think he has a representation I, yeah. of like 
what I'm trying to say is like I don't think he has a specific or a special representation within the movie because he's not like the only character that comes face to face with with death. You know what I mean? Sure, but but I think like you look at the characters that he interacts with and what he interacts and says with them, right? He makes like clear rules and they break them, they die or whatever. But who are the people who live at the end of the movie, right? So you got like the gas station attendant and you got the cop, okay? Yeah. So like of everyone he interacts with, and it's like only chance that Ed didn't interact with him and he was still able to reach this conclusion that like I was getting to a point where I was going to confront death and took actions to stop it, right? And one guy had to flip a coin to arrive at that conclusion that, like, you're in a dangerous situation right now. What are you going to do? I don't care about here and now. You've lived that entire life, like, behind this gas station. Like, what are you going to do to continue living? And so he flipped the coin and just turned out heads, right? But the the cop actually, like, recognized the danger and violence of the situation and withdrew himself, and he lived. And so I think that means something for the movie that like all the characters who die have this hubris or assumption that they'll have the next day to live. Whereas the ones who are put in a situation and recognize that and get out of it, I think, I don't know. I I just think that means something. And yeah, there are random like killings, like the motel owner, the guy on the side of the road, the guy in the meeting with the person who hired the hitman. Like all these are random. Sure. But I don't know. There's a part of it that feels like it's, it's how this sociopath serial killer rolls through the world is like, if you see me, you're going to have this confrontation with death. It might be random based on how I'm feeling. If I need something or it might be, I flip a coin for you or you flip a coin or whatever. I think I agree that he, but this is what I'm saying is I don't think the movie is trying to make a greater point about it specifically about him. I just think Maybe he, not about him, yeah, but what he's saying is very valid. Still. Well, he also says that you should value your life, right? And, like, you should live right. every day like you're going to die and stuff. But Ed is afraid. He quits his job, and he goes and he lives with his wife. And he essentially sequesters himself the same way his uncle does, you know? So I don't necessarily know if it's the same philosophy that Chigure is preaching, if that makes sense. Well, it's not, it's not like it's that valuing life thing. I think that's important. I think it's like the recognizing the violence and stuff. Like, that's why he meets with his dad, and his dad expresses that this violence isn't anything new. I understand. Like, the person imparting it isn't the person who's special. I get, I get that, right? But he still embodies what Anton Sugar was trying to get across. But this is where I disagree. I, I really think that it's the three main characters that embody a different relationship with death. It's not necessarily all about like, Chigurh's philosophy. He's a big one. Don't get me wrong, but I don't necessarily right. like. I just I still don't think that Ed was following the same, I'll say guidelines in air quotes that Chigurh was was trying to set out to like define or whatever you want to call. That's my biggest well, thing I- because I I really don't think like yes he's a sociopath and yes everybody he deals with or everybody he interacts with ends up either dead or alive but sure. I don't think. I don't know how to explain it. I just I just don't think he's the main focus of the movie per se, you know? So for me it's just that like the the concept of the name the name of the movie being No Country for Old Men and the talk at the beginning and end of the movie about like all the violence that they see now and how brutal it all is and how dangerous it is to be out and you know, in this world. Like 
I think it's not that Ed is scared of all that, but he has a recognition for his value on his own life that isn't just at- like autonomously going through the world. No, I and think I think it's the just people... Ed being scared. If I'm honest, I really do. No, I think it's like no, because I think you live. He was living his life prior to that, just without recognition for the fact that it's a dangerous job and his life's on the line, and that every moment his life is That's like, not, or even on, having recognition that death is a possibility. I don't. I, and don't... I think seeing all that death is what made him make the decision. I don't think he's afraid. No, I think he's like, afraid. I, I uh, and I, the reason I say that is because anytime he is faced with a situation where he has to go confront something, he drags his feet. He blames federal funding. He's always there one step too late. Even when he goes to find Ed, he's there late. He hears the gunshots, and it's he doesn't speed up. He stays going the same speed. He's like, I'm going to take my time to get there. You know? Right, but he lives. I understand. That's, that, that's just putting value on your own life. I don't think that's being afraid of no, it. No, it's, it's not being afraid having of... Having that fear is like the healthy part that keeps him alive. Yes, I'm not making the contention that fear is bad. You should be afraid for your life. But I'm saying that's right. the relationship with death that he has that he's afraid of death you gonna does that make sense i i still don't think that's true no i i think he has a much more like measured approach to his life than the other characters in the movie like i think you, you look at the the like when he describes deadly situations or like when they're doing the investigation you got the other guy wendell or whatever with him yeah. right and like Wendell is going through it like it's a job and like, oh, look at what happened here. Oh, they even shot the dog, like all this or whatever. Right. But the way that Ed conducts himself through, it's like the recognition of life and the value in it that's lost with these like killings and stuff and these people on the side of the road. I think I, that comes across a lot more to me than especially how he talks to like Llewellyn or not Llewellyn, um, his wife, Llewellyn's wife. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like trying to save him and trying to, you know, I know that you're scared of it, but practically, if you want him to live, you have to do this with me, right? I don't think him being late or scared of death is like a, a bad thing or indication of his character. I don't think it's a bad thing either. No, but I'm not making know. the distinction that it's bad. I'm making the distinction that he's the only one who shows a fear of death, and that's why he lives. I, maybe fear of death isn't the right word. Maybe he recognizes his own mortality is a better way to put right. it. Right. That's what that's and that's that's what the philosophy that I think Javier Bardet like no, Anton Segura is trying to I yeah. that's what I'm disagreeing with you with. I'm saying the three characters have a different relationship with death because it's not like Anton right. is trying to get people to recognize their mortality. He'll kill them either way. He is doing this sure. to prove to himself that he can control who lives and who dies. Is the way I I saw it. Maybe. I, I still don't really think of that as true. <laughs> I mean, he does kill randomly, sure, so it's not like a clean philosophy, but those moments where he's talking to people before they die are very much like, you haven't recognized your own mortality, and I'm going to take it from you. Like, and I, I think don't know, that's man. I think, emblematic. I think that's, I think yeah, it's, I think that's something. It's, it's an interesting way that he converses and he justifies his killings, but ultimately he does kill randomly during the movie. Which is why I have struggle but, thinking that he's trying to make a broader message about like recognizing your mortality. He's just doing it because sure, he likes sure. it. 
Sure, I get that, right? But the same way that randomness has a hold on everybody he interacts with, that whether or not they're going to die is a coin flip or how he's feeling that morning or whether he needs something from them. I think the fact that he gets in a car accident at the end there and almost dies but lives is like that in a nutshell. Like any amount of randomness, the other person wasn't trying to kill him, but the world just has this randomness that can impart death, right? And so I think he is just this representation of that where it's like, yeah, (laughs) he could come across and kill you and you could put humanity on him and be like, oh, he's not, you know, he's a bad person. He thinks of himself as death. Right. But the world also has that with people randomly dying for like good people for no reason in bad situations. Right. So I think that it's just like maybe it's the movie's way of saying it. I'm not trying to say that he's a good person or that he's living up to this philosophy 100 percent. But like what he's saying has merit and validity. That anything I, can kill you and nobody recognizes immortality. Okay, but this is the point that I was making at the start is I think Llewellyn is the person that embodies that philosophy. I don't like saying he embodies that philosophy. I think that's the relationship he has with death and the movie shows us that it's wrong because he's the one that's willing to risk it all for the briefcase of money and ultimately he dies off screen. It's essentially the movie telling us that like you could do, you could take all the steps, you could take all the precautions... Ultimately, if you are still like, I really like the word hubris when it comes to death. If you think you're sure. above it, you're just going to die due to the random chance of, of the world. You know, that's the, the point that I was trying to make is I think the difference is, is I'm just going to say, I think we're, we're talking about the same concepts throughout, but I think each of the main characters goes through a different journey with their relationship with death. From what I'm understanding from you, it all essentially mm-hmm. goes back to Chigure. No, I, I like what sort of like he is the force in the movie that is driving all of this to happen, right? And I just think that like even though Llewellyn dies from hubris or whatever, right? I'm trying to say that you don't need to be you could just be a random person on the side of the road doing nothing wrong your entire life and still die. I just think that his character as a concept is trying to evoke this understanding in the audience and the other characters that are relevant in the plot. Maybe not the random ones on the side of the road or whatever, but like he and it effectively does translate that message to Ed. I think, <laughs> you know, like we are I, at a standstill. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's I mean, th- I mean, that's fair. But like, did it did the movie not have that effect on you as a viewer as well? Like. You could be scared of Anton Chigurh, but that's nothing. He's not real, right? But if I feel like if you finished this movie and didn't have the recognition that death is a possibility yeah. at every moment, like that conversation in the yeah. gas station, it's like something you miss something. No, I know? agree with you, and I drew the same conclusion. The contention that I'm making is the okay. conclusion came from uh, Llewellyn dying off screen. He dies randomly. The movie doesn't even show us who kills him. You know what I mean? which is what causes you sure. to grapple with your mortality. And I ultimately agree that the movie is addressing death in general. I just think that every single character goes through a different journey about it, if that makes sense. I don't necessarily know if... Also, I don't think that Anton is, is the main driving force for the movie, if I'm honest. I really think it's the Mexican cartel. And I was going to make a point to say that this is something I appreciate about the Coens brothers' writing is... There's always a lot of stuff that's sort of unsaid and unshown, and you just have to, you know, do the math in your head, if that makes sense. Because it's sure. never stated that Llewellyn yeah. was killed by the Mexican cartel. 
but you know that because mm-hmm. you remember the the guy that went to help Carla Jean's mom and he asks her, "Oh, where are you guys going?" You know? So right. I I don't know. I was going to say it's it's a good like it was an evocative thing that he dies off screen. It was good on the movie's part. I I just think there's so much more there if you're dismissing conversations that he has individually like if okay let me let me put this in a different way i think if you're looking at the surface level of the conversations anton sugar has with the gas station clerk and like llewellyn over the phone and llewellyn's wife at the end of the movie if you're looking at those as a conversation between a serial killer and the person then i think there's an element missing there if you aren't picturing it as like the person and death do you know what I mean? Because I, if you think a, of him as how fun, he thinks of himself, a fun way, there's a layer that's... A- but the thing is, is it adds an additional <laughs> element to view the movie through. But I don't think... But again, like, like this is just my own interpretation. I just don't think he was a personification right. of the Grim Reaper or death or anything like that. He just has his own relationship with death. And the relationship that he has colors the interactions he has with all the people in the movie. That's the way I took it. In my head, this just this just humanizes him too much. But he is human. Like, That's the point I'm to, making. Like, in my, he is not a, like right. And you're right because they they're they're explicitly not trying to make him be this like immortal being who dodges all bullets and survives everything. And like they call it out with him getting shot and him falling off, getting hit by a car and everything. Right? Like I get that. Right? But he doesn't die at the end of the movie, and like the people around him do, and he is bringing that on screen i don't know there's just like there's a lot there that you miss out on if you focus on like oh he's just a serial killer saying things because everything he's saying in those moments evokes a lot not just llewellyn dying off screen i'm not okay i just want to make the point i'm not dismissing the things that he's saying but i'm not giving additional weight to his specific actions and moments to them in the movie i'm not how, how do i say this right the way he's written and the actions that he takes throughout the movie i don't give additional weight to them compared to llewellyn's and ed's uh sort of story throughout the movie but i think the reason why it hits a lot closer with him is because the acting is so phenomenal and the line delivery is always exceptional you know yeah i mean like as a performance like everybody kills it though like everybody does a good job with all of this right I just except carla like, jean saying, i hated her fucking acting well she was fine i did not like I it was... <laughs> okay I, I don't know i thought she was i thought she was fine i mean anybody with a southwestern accent or whatever comes across as like pretty naturalistic and homely whenever they talk so i maybe that's had it fun with it I think that's fair. Oh, you just don't you don't like her accent? No, no, I no. Tommy Lee Jones and Llewellyn had pretty similar. No, I, well. I, it's not the accent specifically, but I think some of the line delivery was very bland, and I don't know if it was because of the accent or not. To be fair, I also felt the same <laughs> way about Tommy Lee Jones. I thought no, he killed it. I, I, I didn't think there was like a rough spot in this movie. If I'm going to be honest, I thought it was interesting, end to end, really good. I think uh, there was one part that threw me off is when he woke up in Mexico and there was a mariachi band playing in front of him. Like before they cut to the mariachi band, that was the first occurrence of like overt music in the film. Yeah. And I was like, I can't believe as soon as he gets to Mexico, they just have mariachi. But then it was like an actual set piece. That's fine. 
<laughs> I thought it was like you know when when like shitty action movies go to Mexico and they just put a yellow filter yeah. on the screen. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. it was like one of those, but nah, nah. I gave too little credit to the movie because it was it was just like fun. But anyway, um, I still think that you know what he says has a lot of a lot more validity to it. It's a lot more philosophical and questioning than anything else. A lot of people say the other person who does it though that I will give credit to is Tommy Lee Jones. The way like him and his dad talk about death or even the start of the movie, the monologue or uncle? the things he tries to, I don't know. Was it his, his uncle? I, I thought so. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Keep going. Probably. But the way he talks to Wendell about like recognizing the mortality of the situation and like who people are and, you know, I don't know. It's just like, I, I think that there is a nuanced conversation to be had about what he means or represents like a sorry Anton Chigurh means or represents in the film that is way deeper than just like the ramblings of a serial killer I I get that you've heard what he has to say but I think like combined with the rest of the film I think he has like a lot more of a driving force and meaning to it like he is the theme of the film from my viewing I I disagree but also the fact that we disagree is I think one of the best uh parts of the Coen's brothers, I don't know, writing, screenplay-ism. Yeah, they, I'd say that's fair. They leave a lot to the viewer, which I appreciate. And this is one of those movies where, like I said before, you have to do a lot of the math in your head, and I like that. I thought it was good. I think good. it's also, like, you have to appreciate it for what it is and not what it could be or what you want it to be. Because, like you said, with the genre-defying stuff, like you expect there to be shootouts and action scenes and shit ha- popping off. And I think that colored my first viewing when it just feels like I've watched this for two hours and it, it just ends. Like yeah. Llewellyn dies off screen and then it wraps up with the cop like never catching him, not finding him in the hotel room, none of that stuff, right? But if you just watch it for what it is and what it's trying to say to you, the audience, I think that's a lot more fulfilling I agree. than trying to observe it as characters moving through the world. Because then you'll just get bothered with the mortality of the random killings, like uh, Carlo Moss dying and like all that shit. But I don't think that is unintentional. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I yeah. still think Chigurh is not necessarily the main focus of the movie. He's just he's facing the mm-hmm. same journey that the other characters are. Nah, but we can disagree. That's okay. <laughs> Leander, spit in my face. I, today. I'm not even. I, I'm literally not even saying that I'm right. I just think that it's it's how I felt. I felt very strongly about this during this viewing. Like that he is this like larger than life force that is like steamrolling the other characters and imparting this like worldview on them that only a few actually recognize. And not like it's a good thing. It's bad. I'm still, I'm not trying to simp for the serial No, he's simping. Here. He's simping. <laughs> Next up, guys, we're going to talk about mind hunters and why Leander thinks all the serial killers are hot. <laughs> yeah. And I don't get why anybody's not <laughs> talking about this. The best character from Silence of the Lambs. Who is it, Hashem? Oh, definitely Clarice. Oh, no, it's Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> he is like a, a great, great on screen performance emblematic of how i want to live my 30s so anyway 30s <laughs> isn't he like a thousand years old in that movie yeah yeah but i'm gonna start early so that way like i don't know <laughs> that's so funny that's what i hear from hustle and grind instagram start early <laughs> on the yeah the best day to start a new project is today is yesterday or you know yesterday the second best today fuck you're right 
You fell, bro. Sorry, we all know which one the algorithm's favorite. This how this is how you know the algorithm is shoving that shit in my face twenty four seven. The grind set. I love oh, it. Yeah. Anyway, I think that was that was a good amount of talk about No Country for Old Men. Why don't we give it a rating? Uh, yeah, I think we should use uh, air briefcases. pressure guns. Nope, briefcases is too. <laughs> also, if we ever do Reservoir Dogs, we have to use briefcases. But we've we've been over this that we're never gonna remember when we did. You remember we double counted? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, okay, let's go. Let's go. Uh, you go first. Air, what did you say? Air tanks? Yeah. Compressed air tanks? Yeah. Okay, sure. Well, it's a thing that it's used to kill cattle, right? I don't know what that's called. I don't know what it is, man. Oh yeah, it is because Whatever. it's in um, it's an it. I forgot about that. Good call, man. It's an it. Yeah. No, I mean they they literally just talk about it in the fo- in the movie. Oh, I fully like, forgot about that. Remember Ed Ed is talking to to Carla Jean Moss at, at that like diner or whatever and she talks about how like they used to have a whole thing about killing the animals. It used to be a process. So you have to come to mortality like recognize the animal's life, but now they have it all streamlined. They have a gun that you just put to their forehead that shoots a pin about 2 inches in and kill them. They had yeah, and then and then he realized. I don't know if he realized in that moment that it was. I think he's like Carlos. Like, why did you tell me that? And he's like, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> and it's like Southern drawl. But That's anyway, so funny. Okay, killing animal cans or whatever. Yeah. How many? How many rating it? You got to go first. All right, I'm gonna give it a uh, eleven out of twelve. I also give it an eleven out of twelve. Nice. I just had to make sure. Same conclusion. I had different to, outcomes. I had to. I had to. I had to make sure. I knew you were gonna undershoot me. What do you mean? You you knew wrong then. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I assume I should say <laughs> not knew. All right. So for next week, I wanna I wanna do a movie that I've never seen before. Uh, hopefully, I mean you probably see it. You've seen every movie, but uh, we're gonna do. I, I'm gonna look at the director, but we're gonna do the movie in Bruges. In Bruges. In Bruges, in Bruges, in Bruges, spell it. I N one word Bruges B R U G E S from two thousand eight. Uh, by no director blah, blah 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 Martin McDonough. No McDonough? clue what movie this is. So he, but I've only seen like a, uh, one other of his movies, and it was Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, whatever Missouri. Right, that's him. Um, but he also directed. He directed uh, Seven Psychopaths and The Banshees of Inishire, which came out this year. And the main cast from The Banshees is the cast of this one. So I don't know. People liked The Banshees and like were talking about In Bruges, and it's been on my list for like a long time, and I still haven't seen it. So yeah, it's on. Uh, it's on Jump Cut. All right, next week. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. I like Colin Farrell. I, I think he's cool. I wasn't gonna pick. I wasn't going to pick it because I had actually, when I was originally told to watch it, didn't know anything about it and assumed that it was like a crime drama, like a lot of serious stuff, kind of like this one, right? Yeah. But uh, looked it up. Category is crime comedy. So it should be fun. Hell yeah. Especially for the amount of recognition this movie has. I feel like it won't be a shitty crime comedy. It'll be like a really good one. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. I'll be a black comedy. uh, Yeah. Yeah. All right. And bruises for next week. Uh, I think that's it from us, though. Do you have any uh, wrap-ups you want to do? Yeah, I just uh, putting out the jump cut signal, if you will. Everybody go watch uh, Puss in Boots. I think you'll be a better person for it.
It's a good call. Yeah. I'll, I'll put my I'll put my weight behind that one as Hell well. Yeah. Go watch Puss in Boots in theaters while it's still there. Or buy it on whatever thing. Essentially, price, I want more anything. animated movies that are like this. And if nobody sees it, we won't get them ever again. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. It's done really well so yeah. far. I don't know if like Let's our keep viewers it going. individually need it. But okay, yeah, that's fair. I, I appreciate it. I'm actually going to see it again tomorrow. So Oh nice. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good Sunday morning flick. So That's awesome. Yeah. Um aside from that, I saw Babylon as well, if we're doing like theater takes right now. That movie is wild and like wild in if a good you way. Have th- a spe- I'm just saying wild because I don't want to put my like weight on either side of the fence here because I'm not sure how I feel about it fully. Um it is a vibe. And it's three hours and nine minutes long. But and that is a lot of time for a movie that doesn't have like clout or recognition like Avatar. But it's it's interesting. But is it so, good? Uh, it's a movie. You could see it. I don't want to decide no, but for it's, yourself. Th- it's three hours, man. I got to <laughs> know if it's worth my time or not. Yeah, but you play Pokemon, so what is your time really? But worth listen, anyway? I <laughs> drop Pokemon games a week in. You got to understand. Yeah, after 45 hours of game time. Yeah, but it's fine. fine. I enjoyed those 45 hours. I'm glad. Then maybe you should not enjoy or enjoy three hours of Babylon. <laughs> I've been bopping to the soundtrack. It's pretty good. Yeah, you mentioned But anyway. Okay. Uh, so that's it for me. Follow us, our, follow our editor at uh, Blue Moon Paper, Blue Moon dot paper on Instagram or bluemoonpaper.com on the internet. Yeah. So... We have uh Yeah, we don't have we have a jumpcut.fm. We yeah. have our site. Oh, and we put out our first Instagram photo. <laughs> on, we have Instagram? Jumpcut.fm on Instagram. Yeah. Okay, we got to start <laughs> posting some reels. Feed the algorithm, you know? No. No, we got nothing for that. And I will not even put in the effort. But fucking whatever Spotify rap thing they do for podcasters, put our stats up there. It's kind of cute. Yeah. So um another big win of the year. We got pod podcast of the year on the cord at laurier <laughs> oh it's <laughs> that's only because of the nepotism yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? it's fine no that's no no yeah, it's yeah. called networking <laughs> leander it's called networking. my bad my bad of course everybody knows you need got to have it, an in in media it. everybody knows that that's <laughs> a breakout role i love seriously. it seriously okay all right i think that's up all from right. us today guys yeah yeah so watching bruise for next week and uh in the meantime it's, it's been, been real. real.